Welcome everybody to the One to Go show. It is Puka. Once again, joined by Ryan Hill and Bert Lehman. We are again presented by Weir's Machine. So you guys, you know, we've talked about it before. W-E-H-R-S, Weir'sMachine.com. Tranny parts, suspension parts, carb parts, pinion mounts. Check them out on Facebook. Jump on the website, Weir'sMachine.com. And when you talk to Chad down there, tell him you heard, us, heard about them on the One to Go show. All right, a ton of racing uh, over the weekend. Obviously, happy Labor Day, everybody. We're recording this on Labor Day. And like I said, a ton of stuff, east, west, north, south. So we are going to start out with Ashland because they got going on Thursday night over there at the ABC Raceway. Ryan Ayo was there in attendance. Oh, go ahead, Bert. I just want to say something. You guys were at all these up these races you're going to be talking about. So I'm just going to kind of sit back and enjoy my popcorn and – we invited you. We invited you, man. I, we even saw you a text. We'll say, we'll, we'll cover your gas. We'll cover your tickets. And yeah. and, uh, and then, then he's got this excuse that it's too far. It, 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 was kind of a, it was kind of a hike. In fact, that's why I'm in the dark right now. I guess I'm always in the dark. But the fact is, I'm on my way back to Illinois from northern Minnesota. And uh, there was no way I was going to make it all the way back home, I guess, before the show. I'm kind of I'm looking at the screen here, but I feel like I should be looking down here. I'm not used to doing this on my uh, phone. But you the look fine. You look I, fine. Right. It, thanks, buddy. Thanks, man. The darker <laughs> it is, the better I look, right? So, yeah, I'm heading home right now, but, yeah, it was a hell of a good time. So, you know, actually, Puka, you didn't make it to Ashland. That was the only one of the three. I had to flip us upside down there because that actually uh, that might be a little bit easier for me to talk. Yeah. So, the fact is, I went to the ABC Raceway, and – the racing was phenomenal. I'm, I'm here to tell you, the features, all three of them, were very, very good features. Hats off to the crew down at the ABC Raceway. I'm looking forward, except for the cold part, except for the cold. I'm looking forward to the Red Clay Classic, but uh, Shane Sabraski, right out of the gate, we've been talking about this guy all year long, and he put a beat down on the boys in the Super Stocks. He got her done, started off the weekend with a bang, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, he's got seven more features left. How's this going to work for him? And uh, I tell you, he was bolted in that super, a little drama in the super stock. So, so again, I've been saying this for a long time, super stocks, high contact sport. And you had two uh, alpha males and Kevin Burdick and Kurt Myers, both of them with national championships, rolling into last corner for the second spot. And I tell you what. I played the video here. You guys can decide, you know, as, as an audience, who you think this is on. They called it on Burdick, right? Needless to say, as you can see on the video that we just showed, Burdick actually got inside of Myers. Contact was made. Myers went around. Burdick over the top of a tire on the last corner. And uh, needless to say, neither one of them were happy. They were both mad. And I watched this over and over and over again. And at high speed, it could have went either way at low speed. It's a little bit different story. So you might have to speed it up, slow it down, but I would not want to be an official because that was a tough one to call. It really was. Yeah. Yep. Now in the, the modifieds guys, that was phenomenal too. A buddy of mine, Matt Gilbertson, he got her done. He made the, tr I was surprised to see him all the way from Western Minnesota. He's a Montevideo car. He drove all the way over wow. to Ashland and, and he got her done. Jake Hartong who owns SSR, was right on him. I mean, he was charging great finish in that mod race. Um, 
But Sabraski, he had a tough heat race. He had a tough heat. He started 18th and drove up to third. If there was a late race yellow in that deal, he was the fastest car on the racetrack again. But a great modified race. Now, the late models, as good as those two races were, the late models was unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, it started out, you know, one, a guy that I've known for a long time, Puka, you and I grew up watching this guy, Steve Larson. You know, the guy's won a ton of races. He, he really ain't won a ton lately, right? right? I mean, he's been racing for a long time. He led the lion's share of the prelude to the clay, and I'm thinking, man, he's in good position. He's got this deal won. He's running really smooth. Restart comes out. He comes out of turn four, and I wasn't really paying attention to what happened at the start. I'm thinking, holy cow, all I saw is Ebert, like, yard sailing over the top of him. I'm like, oh, my God, like, what happened? Well, he broke an axle. So he snapped an axle. He was done, lost the lead, and then it just there were several lead changes after that. Budislavich got it. He hit the fence, and Mars got the lead. I thought it was over. I mean, when Jimmy Mars gets a lead with a handful of laps left, it's usually a done deal. And he was kind of – he was too tight. He couldn't rotate on the bottom. He was driving through the middle, rolling up the racetrack. Here comes Jeffrey Massengill from 12th on the last corner and shocks the world, right. nips him at the line. I, I mean, I don't remember. I got a short memory. But somebody mentioned that he's probably going to win one this week, and I don't know who that was. Um, wait a Bert, second. I don't know who that was. Do you? <laughs> that, that, was, that was this guy right here, CT. <laughs> Team Massengill right here. So I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. He's been running so good. But, guys, I tell you, Ashland was phenomenal. They got the program done in a fairly uh, fast amount of time. And uh, the, one thing that I, the one thing I got reminded of when I got there, I show up there, right? I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing sandals. I'm wearing just a, a polo shirt, right? I'm, I'm dressed for, like, warm weather. I get out. I'm like, holy crap, we're at Ashland. Like, everybody else is dressed in, like, jackets and all that immediately I threw the hoodie on and pants on because it was not warm. It had the wind whipping off the lake. But uh, I'm looking forward to the red clay. I'm going to head over there in a few weeks to the red clay classic. And uh, did you guys get a chance to see any of that online? Oh, go ahead, Bert. I saw the highlights of the late model feature. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you could see, uh, you know, Mars leading and, and you, you think it's over. But, you know, Mass and Gil just hung with them, hung with them. And then on the last lap in three and four, you know, like you said, Jimmy couldn't keep it down on, on the low part of the track. And, you know, he just crept up the track a little bit, gave enough room to Massengill, and that was all she wrote. Yeah, yeah it definitely started rotating well, didn't it? Yeah, just, just like you said, that heartbreak of Steve Larson, you know, I mean, he was he was bad fast. And, and uh, what a time for, you know, equipment failure, just – one of those things, I guess you've been through it, Ryan, you know, but, um, uh, but yeah, it was good to see Massengill. Like I said, like, you know, we've said all year, he's raced a lot. He's raced it's good competition. He's due. We've talked about him in the power rankings. We have, we'd have people contact us about him not being in the power rankings. Why isn't he there? We say he just needs to get over the hump and get at least one win. And all of a sudden gets into August. Like, well, he's probably gonna have to have a couple of wins because now people are starting to stack them up. And, and, uh, so, yeah, so congrats to Jeff. It was, uh, like I said, yeah, it was great racing there at ABC. You know, the one thing that happened, the, the program would have literally been about a half hour shorter, but one of the super stocks lost the drive shaft, and it actually hit the guy. He got hurt. It actually, 
you know, it came out, it smacked him in the leg. I, I don't think it's broken, but they put him in the ambulance and checked him out pretty good. But, guys, check this out. That drive shaft. Bert, have you ever been up to Ashland or Puka? Have you guys no. been to Ashland? Oh, yeah. Okay. So the back straightaway, there's a wall with a fence, and across the back straightaway, there's a row of haulers, and then there's like a pit road, and then on the backside of that facing the other way, there's another row of haulers. One of the cars hit that drive shaft. It catapulted over the fence, over that first row of haulers, and actually hit the fast lane motorsports truck. Um, I think it hit the railing way away from the action. Nobody got hurt, thank God. But uh, that's one of those things. Uh, we're going to save that for this winter, but we will. Pookie, you can write this down for our notes. We're going to have a talk about these drive shafts because that's a topic that a lot of drivers have been talking about is they want to make some changes on the rules on the drive shafts and you know, they got really lucky on that one. Somebody very easily could have got hurt, but they didn't. Thank God. Racing resumed. Had a hell of a night at the ABC Raceway to kick off Labor Day weekend. Night number two, Puka, you were actually over there with me. We were over at the Grand Rapids Speedway for the Wasota Classic. What are some things that stuck out to you over in Grand Rapids? Well, first off was the weather. Like I said, I think it was colder in Ashland, but it was the first cold night since the spring here in northern Minnesota. So I think uh, when I left the track there, when I did that post-race video, I think it was 50. You could see your breath. So definitely the temps. You know, the story of the night there, I think, was the track in a lot of ways, right? Uh, no hot laps. Looked as smooth as glass, you know, after they packed it. We did the anthem. They started rolling. Uh, track was, what would you call it, heavy choppy? I mean, definitely choppy. I mean, you know. Um, Beyond heavy. Yeah. beyond heavy it was really heavy hammered down yeah and i think that a lot of that had to do and i said it on that video it just you know it was windy and it was sunny all day but then right about race time at six o'clock the flags were kind of whipping then by six ten, they were barely whipping and then by six twenty, the flags were so the wind just went away and of course then the sun went away and the higher temps went away and it just got cold. Like I said, you could see your breath. So you're, you know, you're getting close to dew point. So the track never really dried. A couple of late models almost went over, including Jeff Provenzino, who was the closest to go over. But, um, you know, big win in the, in the late models for a local guy, you know, Jay Kittner, a guy that if you're, if you're listening here from North or South Dakota or Wisconsin, you might not have ever heard of him. He's turned a lot of laps here in Minnesota, a lot of laps up here in Northern Minnesota. So the guy like, like Ryan and I, I don't think we were too surprised because he's not only has he run a long time, he's had a really good year, but um, you know, a big, a big win as far as specials for him, you know, coming in a late model because he's had him in supers and mods. I gotta be honest. I was really surprised. I was, I was vastly surprised because I've never known Jay Kittner is a high side hustler on a cushion ever, right? He's been a roll the middle, roll the bottom, smooth, Labor Day style driver where it's clean, you know, drive slick guy. And he just pounded that cushion. And I was like, where in the heck did this guy come from? Like, he's always ran the bottom from what I can remember. He's hustling on the high side. And one of the guys, another heartbreak story, Kyle Peterlin, you know, he came charging up there. And I'm like, he's going to win this race. Yeah. He's bolted. He's coming. And I don't know exactly what happened. There might have been some contact, but he got up over the cushion, rolled the front end underneath, and up off the track he went. His night was done. But, uh, man, Jeff Provenzino, um, after that heat race, he should probably call Weir's machine, order a new J-Bar, because the J-Bar that he had went like this, right? Yeah. Whatever he had in the car folded the tent, and he ripped the drive shaft out of the car. He just about went over. Like, yeah, he, he was up there holy cow 
that that was crazy. Um, of course, uh, Kurt Myers making the trip over. He put a spanking on him in in the super stocks. Burdick got second, right? Now here's what's cool: Hot Carl got third. Yeah, Hot Shane Tabrasky got fourth, right? Hot Carl in the mix. He looked good. And and here's the deal: like I actually interviewed Hot Carl. And for the record, everybody's talking, oh, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, Kyle Larson, right? Kyle Larson ain't beat Shane Sebraski. Ain't done it. Hey, he hasn't beat him all year. Hot Carl beat Shane Sebraski. So in my eyes, Hot Carl's a step above Kyle Larson. You know, so <laughs> that went to prove it right there. Plus, Hot Carl won a hooligan race in Hibbing. So, I mean, come on, he's on, he's on his game. But uh, Dan Ebert, of course, uh, he, he was really good in the modified. But it was pretty exciting racing over there. A lot of work needed to be, a lot of tin pounding, a lot of fixing yeah. stuff. But it was definitely, it was one of those nights like old school where I walked across the track and I, I got like three inches taller. Because I remember after the races, outside the races, the dew was all over the cars. The grass was all wet. I mean, the moisture was just coming out. And I talked to some of the drivers and they said, they didn't miss it or nothing, but on the parade laps right before the race, they're like, did they water the track? Because the water just kept coming out of the ground. It was like shiny and greasy, and it, and it, it was crazy. So the track crew, they didn't put barely any water on it, but that's one of those things. You can't fight Mother Nature, and experience pays off on a deal like that, and you know they learned something there. But overall, that was the fastest I've ever seen race cars in my life go around the Grand Rapids. Yeah, even – even that late race caution there, you know, I think there were three cautions in the last seven laps there. Peterlin caused one. I can't remember who got around or you've seen so much racing, but when Peterlin folded up, that was for sure one of them. But I remember when they restarted, they went on that backstretch. I said, these guys are going like missiles. You know, we're, we're down, you know, we're down to the last few laps. We're supposed to be blackening up a little bit. And like you said, because they didn't, you know, they stopped them for a little while. The moisture came in and it was like a missile. And that's when Glenn's made a little bit of progress there at the end. He went from 12th to second, you know, making that progress there after a few of those late race restarts. So, uh, but yeah, it was, you know, it was a pretty good night. Like you said, the conditions, Mother Nature's conditions for her were perfect. You know, it just, it got to the right temp. It got real dewy. It got real moist. And, and like I said, the wind went away. So they did what they did. The right thing as far as, hey, it's sunny and windy. we got to put a little bit of water on the track, but um, it just ended up being one of those things. That's it's a rare – that's probably one in 100 night, you know. Right, right. It was stickier at the end of the night than it was at the beginning of the night, which is crazy. Yeah. All right, should we move so, over to Hibbing? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Hibbing Raceway, the 42nd Annual Beltline Body Shop Labor Day Shootout. So we like to say we race Thursday Ashland, Friday Grand Rapids, move 30 miles down the road over to Hibbing. Uh, you know, with a big um, uh, format change, Ryan, uh, you know, we talked to a lot of people, you know, instead of racing, you having a race marathon for eight, nine, 10 hours and ending at one in the morning, you know, they cut things down, complete show for lates and modifieds each day. Everyone else ran heat races. What were your thoughts? This is the first time in the history of the Labor Day shootout. First time there was more people there on day two than there was on day one. Really? Unbelievable. That's a testament to two things. Number one, there was some great racing to be had. Photo finish in the late model. We'll talk about that in a second. The program day one, four hours. Four, maybe just barely over four hours. Last year, day one, eight and a half hours. That's the difference. The yeah. program went by fast. The racing was great. The fans felt like they got truly entertained throughout the whole program. 
They told their friends about it. They're like, man, this is different. You got to get back over here. And I heard lots of good things. So hats off to the folks at the Hibbing Raceway for taking the initiative, recognizing there was a problem and saying, let's, let's fix this deal. Heard a little grumbling from a few of the B-Mod and Superstock guys, and I get it. I would have been too because as a driver, you know, I didn't like the heats one day features the next day. I didn't, but they did up the purse for them. They paid better, right? They paid better than they would have paid on a single day show. So there was that. But the fact of the matter is the crowd is what, what was really happy. And, and they realized, hey, we're in the entertainment business and we got to make sure that the people in the grandstands are happy. And I don't think anybody left unhappy. Uh, maybe the Vessel fans, because he needed about that much further to get it done, right? But uh, they were still pretty happy because it was a great night. So I was excited about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you're saying, uh, yeah, people used to fall off on that second day. I knew that, so I didn't even know that stat, <coughs> that things improved. But from the fans' perspective and the racers, here's the thing to remember. Fans, we already it already showed. Okay, Ryan just said, I didn't even know this coming into the show. The fan count already increased, okay? So if fan counts increase, your purse is going to increase. And didn't they also reduce the draw fee? They did. Oh, yeah, so the they increased the purse and they reduced the draw fee. So I know you only got one feature, but, you know, you can't complain too loud. Like I said, if the fan count comes back, your pay is going to grow. That, that's exactly it. Now that people saw the format, they saw how fast things can go along. They were happy with how things went. Now we didn't even have any Canadians there, right? which sucks because, again, Canadians, we miss you at the Labor Day shootout, right? We need you there. Plus, they drink a lot of beer, right? So the fact is, you know, once once this whole deal's out, how great the program was, man, I, I'm excited to see how many people are in the grandstands next year at the Labor Day shootout in Hibbing. Right. All right. You want to tackle day one? Where do you want to start? Well, you know, what did you think? You're a fan, right? I've been on all angles. Let's start with this before we get into any recap, right? We went old school. First of all, we did the out of car introductions for the mods and the lights. Okay. You know, we'll start there. What was your thoughts as a fan of having them out of car introductions as part of the entertainment value of the show? Yeah, to me, I mean, I don't mind it. I, if they do it or don't do it, it's, it, to me, it's a push. But I know the guy that I was with, Ridland, as a matter of fact, he said it a few days ago. As a matter of fact, he might have even said it at Rapids. He was, he, I mean, might have said, I really like when they used to do that in the 90s, the out of car introductions. And then even when Freddie used to do them, you know, and some of the terms that, you know, he used to bring up, you know, the, you know, the uh, coming out of the such and such racing stable and the pony under the hood and things like that. So, uh, but yeah, and, and race fans, what Ryan said earlier, he said the program finished like just in four hours. They did two classes of, of out of car introductions included in that four hours. So the program wasn't even four hours per, I mean, the program was, but the racing wasn't even, like I said, he went from eight and a half hours in 2019 to, you know, racing, maybe 315, three and a half, somewhere in there. You know, I don't know exactly how long those take, but Ryan did a great job on them. And, um, but yeah, I mean, it, like I said, to me, it's a push, but I, I mean, I think people like it. And I think that as a driver, do you guys kind of like that? I did. I, I you know, it's kind of, especially on the big stage, you don't want to do it every single week or every night or every show, but you know, being able to do that once in a while and have that fan driver interaction to where the fans can be like, Oh, that's who that person is. Right. You know, I think that's important. And then how about, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about the revenge draw? That was another thing you guys did that was took up into maybe another 15 minutes. I like wasn't included in the actual race time. Like I said, this program still got done in four hours. And, and that didn't really take any more time because they did it while they were farming the track. 
right? Oh, yeah. So they were all farming the track, and it basically kept people occupied during that. So, again, I'm going to start with you. You're a fan. What? And then I'm going to get into my thoughts on this deal. But I want you to, you know, what was your thoughts of it as far as entertainment value? What would you think? No, I did like that. Bert, do, we, do you know what we're talking about with a revenge draw? Um, no, when I first saw that, and because I saw Jesse Glenn's had like the photo of of something on Facebook about the revenge draw, so I wasn't quite sure about that. But I I think I know what it is. But yeah, just briefly explain okay. what it is. So yeah, and I had you, done it. You, you want me to you want me to explain it or you yeah, got go, it? Go ahead. Yeah, because it is it's one of the couple of things that were very unique this weekend. In addition to that bonus, we'll talk about later. Yeah, and one of the board members actually brought this idea to him and said, "Hey, let's do this." So what they did is they had their passing points from the heat. The top eight in passing points went into the redraw. They all came out on the big stage. There was eight Frisbees numbered one through eight. Okay, pretty simple so far. Now, in a typical redraw, everybody would just go grab their number. Bam, that's where they start. It's all good. Let's go racing. But on the revenge redraw, how they did it is the first guy went up, and they would grab a, a Frisbee, and whatever it was, it didn't matter if it was one or eight or anything in between, they had to give that to somebody else, okay? Now, we'll go from there. That's exactly how it worked, Puka. I'm going to let you roll into your thoughts on that, kind of what you liked, what you you know, how, how that went. I'm going to roll into my thoughts on that because I, I can look at this from a couple different angles. Yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. Like you said, I think, like I said, if it was a normal redraw, I would have been – you know, off the grandstands, all to my car, getting a sweatshirt, doing whatever, you know, BSing with people. But I was like, you got to check this out. I got to kind of see what this is all about. And, and yeah, I, I thought it was pretty good. You know, the, you know, you, the driver's got to think, you know, if a guy's really fast and I pick number one, am I going to, even if he's my good buddy and I get, I pick number one, do I give it to him or give it to a guy who I think the odds aren't as great too. So, uh, you know, there was a little bit of, and you could see a couple of guys. Look at Pat Dory; he kind of sat there for a while. He made, I couldn't understand what he was saying, but you know, he's kind of goofy. He's going, well, I don't know, you know. So, you know, and then some guys struggled with it. You know, who do I, you know, I like, you know, Jeff Massengill. I think, I can't remember who he had two to give to. And he was like, I like both these guys, you know. <laughs> he must have had a higher number. I can't remember, but he was like, I like both of, both of these guys. So it adds just kind of a little, little extra element there. So here we're going to go on to Ryan's rant, okay? So I'm going to start off on the fan side of things because the fan side of things, it was awesome. I mean, absolutely a must. I, I heard every fan in the grandstands is like, this was incredible. It was great. It was fun. You know, Cade Nelson, Daryl Nelson's son, he went up there and I got a picture. I posted it on the page. He grabbed the eight, right? And like literally his eyes got that big. He pointed at Jesse Glenn's. He couldn't run over there fast enough. He's like, you get eight. And he's like all proud of himself. He's like, yeah, Jesse Glenn's is starting eighth. He's all pumped. Jesse Glenn's, not so much. He wasn't really happy about that whole deal, right? But it, it, there was an element. It was funny. Dave Kane, I don't remember. I think he drew seven. Him and Daryl Nelson do not like each other. It's, it just is what it is. He walked, He saw seven. He saw Daryl. He walked up. He didn't even look at Daryl. He walked up. He's like, here. He didn't even look at him. He's like, here, you take seven. That was that. That was an animosity, like, you're starting in the fourth row, dude. That's what that was about. Okay. okay? Now, so for the fans' perspective, though, you know, it was kind of cool. I, I don't remember who it was, but we came down to the – on the it was a late – no, it was a modifieds, and the last two numbers left was two, and I believe it was eight. I think it was two and seven – two and eight. It was two and eight is what it was because Daryl got seven. 
and uh, I don't remember. I think it was that was Johnny Broking drew it, right? And and yeah. his dad, his dad. No, his and, dad drew it. I think his dad drew it, right? And then ended up. No, being, his dad, his dad drew three, and oh, automatically, bam, he gave it right to Johnny, Johnny. like second row inside, perfect. And I believe it. Well, no, it wouldn't have been Johnny because he wouldn't have had to think about it. It was Ryan Jensen, I think, drew the. I think it was him that had the two and the eight, and he's kind of looking at it. it was Bob Broking left, and it was Shane Sabrasky, right? And he's kind of looking, going. So I got the crowd involved with it and all that, and kind of got them all ramped up. And needless to say, he gave the bigger, bigger one to Shane Sabrasky is what he did. So I and I think that's exactly how it worked there. So it was, it was kind of a fun deal to get the fans involved. I mean, that was really cool. Now, my rant is this, okay? It's unfair. It really is unfair because there is – if you're Shane – let's say you're Shane Sabrasky, right, which is, I would say, arguably probably been the hottest driver in modified and super stock racing this year, right? Is that fair enough? Yeah. Well, if it's a one through eight redraw, he's got a two out of eight – chance to start on the front row if it's this deal he has a 100 percent chance he's starting in the fourth row because there ain't nobody in their right mind that's not going to put shane last same thing with jesse glenn's they, they know how fast he's been all year long it wasn't even a question if somebody drew seven or eight it was going to the seven x period i'm torn on this deal i really am now, what's more important here? Is it more important? Because there's literally there's about two or three drivers at the end of it that are going to be pissed off. They're going to be like, this is stupid, right? There's going to be two or three drivers. Like Pat Doerr started out, he was like, this is dumb. Like, why are we doing this garbage? He liked it when it was all said and done, and Kyle Peterman gave him two. Yeah. He was really happy then, okay? But the fans loved it. So what's that's where a promoter really has to weigh things out and go – who are we trying to please, right? Because if you piss off a couple drivers by doing this, then they're going to be like, you know, that's just dumb. No, that could go any which way, right? Now, the fans, though, in my mind, I'm thinking, they love this deal. In fact, I had my phone blowing up all day. We're doing this again, right? We're doing this on day two. Are we doing it for all the classes? This is great. They loved it. And I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things where it's frustrating because I, I kind of felt bad, actually, for Jesse Glenn. I did. Because he had a legitimate shot to maybe he was in the hunt there to beat Massengill. Now, with that said, whoever drew the seven gave it to Massengill. So it worked out because Massengill and Glenn started in the fourth row. But Sabraski, who we're trying to get him to 50. See, you guys are winning on this deal because he got you guys picked the under. I picked the over. And then, oh, he starts eighth. I'm like. Man, that's a tough task in having to start eighth and win with that field of cars. So, I don't know. I, you know, I, I'd like the fans to weigh in. You know, if take a look at it. If you were there, you know, drivers, fans, put that in the comments. We'd like to hear from you, right? What you think about that deal? We want to hear everybody else's thoughts because. On the promoter side of things, I think Hibbing's 100% all set that they're doing it again next year, okay? And I've had a few drivers grumbling about it. I'm torn. I don't know where I'm at on the whole deal. I really don't. 
But uh, if I if I didn't have anything to do with promoting, I would have been like, hell yeah, this is awesome. It was cool. But there's that little bit of side of me because I've been on all sides of racing, right? There's been years where, you know, I was the guy like I'm hoping I make the redraw, right? I, if I make the redraw, I'm gonna be pumped. If I can roll off a top ten, well, they might have gave me one or two then, right? And I start in the front. But I've also had years where like I was bolted you know 35 feature wins in a year and i knew for dang sure if we had that deal going on then i would have been starting in the back row right so well you know, the thing is the advantage hibbing is if they do it labor day next year you only have to do it one day you know what i mean i mean they right. have the two-day show so they maybe. can just say hey we'll do yeah. it one of the maybe days, you know yeah yeah may- maybe yeah. May- maybe right because they might do it both i mean yeah. it was that popular so but again I'd like to hear from the people that are watching the show, put in the comments, right? Put in your comments, your thoughts of that revenge redraw. I'd like to, I'd like to know what you hear. So with that said, let's get to the racing action because it was good. It was good. So there was a modified feature and a late model feature on day one. You know, what was your thoughts of that modified feature? Well, Al, you didn't. I mean, a guy who's, you know, he hasn't raced consistently at Hemming, but he has raced consistently at the Labor Day shootout and, you know, uh, they kind of chuckled. Somebody gave him that front row too, and and when during the revenge draw, and and uh, that yeah, was Shane. Speaking of, that was Shane that gave it to him. Oh, was it Shane? Okay, you know, I just thought, yeah. you know, Union will hang in there, top three. I wasn't expecting him to win, but he he kind of checked out. You know, he just kind of ran that middle-ish, you know, and and he looked really good. I guess his <clears throat> a buddy of mine came up to the booth and said as he was sitting by uh, Al's daughter, and she just the whole race like that, you know, and I guess she was sitting like next to Mackenzie Nelson and the whole race just like that. She did not want to watch. She did not want a late race caution. She did not want someone to spit out in front of her dad. So uh, I think that ended up being a real popular win. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Likewise. What I liked was his enthusiasm, right? Number one, he ran a great race. Again, congratulations, Al Uten and the whole crew, the whole family. They're passionate about racing long time coming at the Hibbing raceway. But when he got out of the car, I mean, he's older than me. He's in his 50s, right? And he jumped up on the roof, and he's fist pumping, and he looks at me, and he goes, I'm too old. If I fall down, it's going to hurt. I better get down, right? And uh, But it was cool seeing him win. And uh, it's just, just a great, great moment right there, I guess, for racing in our area to see one of the, the guys who've been doing it for a long time get her done. Now, the late model race, that was close. 0.06, I believe, at the line. And Pat Nor got out to a big lead, and he got into lap traffic. Here comes Derek Vessel in the 16 car, and uh, what was your thoughts of that one? Yeah, well, that's another guy we've talked about for the power rankings, so check this out as we're talking here, folks. But, yeah, he just, you know, we said it from the beginning. We said, well, if Vess can hang around there, and Hibbing's typically a black track, and what was it, about seven laps to go, you saw him gaining a little bit. Then five laps to go, it was noticeable every lap. I mean, he's coming in, and you can see the gap. It's just, and then he gets like two to go. He looked underneath him and, and hit the and backed off. And then with one to go there, you know, coming out of three and four, you know, they came across and, and I know people on the South side of the grandstand said that it was so close that they thought vessel won. but you know, where we're at, we're kind of right about the flags that we could see the door just inched him. But yeah, that, that late model feature for a uh, lab, that was, is that the closest Labor Day finish ever possibly? It was It was a fantastic – for a Labor Day shootout to go down to this, I've been going for the better part of 31 years. I've never seen a finish that close in the late models. Yeah, so two of the first three features on the weekend, photo finishes at the line, 
I don't know if it gets any closer than that. In fact, Derek Vessel thought he won. He wasn't sure. He pulled into victory lane. Pat Doerr, this is funny. Pat Doerr's like, I think I messed up. Like, he come around the checkered flag. He said he come around the checkered flag wave. Then he comes around again, and the checkered flag is still waving. He's like, oh, crap. He's like, did I lift? He goes, did I give that to Derek? Like, was that the white flag waving? He had no idea. Like, he was literally, like, beside himself. He went to the scales, and they're like, Pat Norton to Victory Lane. He's like, oh, my God, thank God. Like, he literally wasn't sure because he was in a bunch of lap traffic, and there's that big group in front of him. And when he came around, he saw a wave, and he was like, he had that, his heart skipped the beat just a little bit. And he's like, I think I might have just given one away, but he didn't. So, and Pat Norton's a guy that has been struggling. He was in the power rankings. And all of a sudden, we, we booted him out of the party. He was like, he, he ain't worthy of the top ten no more. Junk, garbage, he's done. And uh, he rolled off. He got a third in Grand Rapids. And uh, then he was really good day one at Hibbing. And I tell you, that's a good start. How about day two? Yeah, day two, where do you want to start? You want to start what, with him? I, I, I We can start with him and then kind of roll into the rest of it. I mean, okay. that was – I mean, he just, yeah, I mean, he took advantage of the situation. Let's be honest. I mean, Massingill got out to the lead, right? And then Larson got him on a restart. Jeffrey, I, I don't know what happened on that restart. He slid in on the bottom. I think he missed the rubber. It wasn't quite there yet. And I think he anticipated it being there, and it wasn't. And Larson went by him. Then Dora goes by both of them. And uh, next thing you know, just a handful of laps later, Locked down about lap 14, 15, somewhere in there. Pat Nord gets a lead. Steve Larson, who needed a big run, jumped in the second. Massingill in the third. And I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And uh, what were the winds? 30, 40 miles an hour? I mean, it was crazy. So nothing against the track. I mean, it was one of those deals where they were thinking of farming it, but you know, if they were farming it before the last race, the fans would have all been pissed off. They were cold. You can't have a 45-minute farming session for one race. I mean, you can't do that, you know. So they, they put a bunch of water just trying to get as many laps out of it as you could. They had a good solid. The 12, 14 first laps were actually pretty dicey. Jay Kittner was yeah. bolted on the top. If that rubber doesn't come down, he may win that race. And uh, they got into lap traffic, and you can just tell the experience because they got behind the lap cars didn't even try to pass them. They just kind of rolled around. Pat Doerr doubles up. First guy in Labor Day shootout history to hit double-digit wins at the Labor Day shootout. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. So, yeah, and Larson, another guy, like you said, all of a sudden we are talking, you know, we door, kicked Doerr out. I mean, ever since Bert and I saw Doerr down at Cedar Lake, you know, he kind of cooled off. Now he's heating up again. But Steve Larson is heating up. And, yeah, he – now, remember the original start, he got really aggressive and went around into the lead and there was a caution, you know, so he was battling up there. So all of a sudden a guy that we haven't even talked about consideration, he pops off a win here in the invite season. We might have to talk about him for the top 10, but he looks like a very confident driver now, you know, now also fans, you might've seen on one of our previous videos, there was a unique bonus, 500 extra dollars paid. If you led lap 10, 500 extra dollars, if you led lap 20, 30 and 40. So I was actually keeping tabs kind of like GRP does in Cedar Lake, you know, who's going to get this? So, you know, Massengill did lead lap 10 to get that $500 extra, but then door, you know, passed him shortly after. But uh, so that was a unique, you know, we talked about the revenge draw being unique. That bonus structure was real unique. And then 
yeah, like I said, Dor getting to that double digit number uh, was was big. You know, first guy ever. You know, he's won in the supers, he's won in the mods, and he's won a boatload in the lates. But yeah, he was the class of the field. I mean, he's just he's him and Dave Kane kind of remind me of myself. It seems like they their car's pretty straight all the time, and but they can maneuver. You know, they're maneuverable. Yet they just never get too out of whack. I don't know. They just they remind me of each other a little bit. Yeah, they're, I mean, and they both win a lot of races too, right? So so there's that. But how did the event start out? I thought this was kind of neat. You know, talk a little bit. I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the pure stock feature. Okay. Yeah, so what happened here was we got a guy up here, Chad Finkbone, just just uh, dominant all year, and he wins the heat, and he's expected to start on the pole. So one of Ryan's buddies, I believe it was, right, from Domino's? Yep. Yeah, he says, I'll yep. throw, what, 50 bucks in a pot. Let's get a pot going and see – if you know he'll he'll go to the back we will do ryan's shane sabraski deal for the super stock series earlier in the year so ryan of course the hustler he is starts hustling around get what 250 bucks for a bonus it's 250 dollars to win now chad finkbone finkbone can double his money if he takes the challenge and ryan ryan brings him up on stage and you take it from there yeah, I called him out. I'm like, well, what do you think? He's like, I don't know. I mean, it's a Labor Day shootout. We race kind of early. It's a little stickier than what we normally race on. And then I asked the crowd. I said, what do you guys think? And they all cheered like crazy. He's like, you're kind of a dick. He was like, all right, I'll do it, he says. Because now he's kind of like feels obligated. But not only did he win the 250, he won the 250 bonus. He had, there was another $50 bonus thrown into the winner, um, regardless of who it was. Plus, he got the hard charger award. So he come out of there with over six hundred dollars, you know, when it was supposed to be two fifty to win. So he was happy as heck. But on the so he actually got up to second, and there's a yellow with like six to go, maybe seven to go, and he had a terrible restart. I don't know what he did. Like he he literally had a terrible restart. He pushed a guy got inside of him. They got together. Next thing you know, he's like seven car lengths behind him, going, "Oh crap, he's gonna be pissed at me." And the last corner of the last lap, he diamonded it slid underneath the guy beat him to the line the whole crowd went absolutely crazy and i'm like i'm like chad nobody ever cheers for you i'm like literally you win all the time they're like sick of you winning nobody wants to see you win anymore you win all the time but the whole crowd cheered because he did it from the back he did it with style it was exciting and it was a great way to start day number two at the labor day shootout First pure stock feet drive watch from start to finish in a long time. I mean, I've seen parts of them, but from start to finish, if I don't have my back turned talking to somebody, I mean, it was, that was all, it was all the bonus. It was all the challenge. And yeah, that was great. So uh, another, let's move on to what Hornets. Yeah, that was another one. They were just kind of side by side, lap after lap, after lap, after lap. Aaron Reimer's got it done. Chaston Finkbone, who won the points, Chad's kid actually got by first and second. They got into each other pretty good and thought maybe he had a shot to win it, but he just couldn't rotate very good. And Aaron Reimer's got that one done, but that was, you know, Hornets. I mean, it's like, let's be honest. I mean, you and I probably wouldn't watch a whole lot of them races, but they were side by side and exciting. So it, it was pretty cool. I, at first I'm like, let's just like not even have Hornets and Pierce Stocks at Labor Day. And then they had two great features to start day two. And I'm like, the entertainment value was kind of there. It was actually pretty good for the crowd. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of entertainment, I think we both agreed that the uh, Superstock feature was one of the, you know, most entertaining. You had, you know, three former national champions right up front there, Myers, 
Zabraski, Burdick. Of course, Burdick wants to defend his home turf and, you know, takes off and does a pretty good job of it until the, you know, final few laps. We didn't know what was going to happen. Well, I'm going to speak for the drivers here. Okay. This is for the drivers because with soda is all about, Oh, you got to have point average lineup. It's better for everybody. If all the fast guys starting back, you know, we got, we can't have them starting in the front. The fastest three super stocks there, Burdick, Sabraski, Kurt Myers started one, two, three. It was the best race of the night. Them first two races were good, but then that, that race was phenomenal. And the, the track was amazing for the super stock feature. There was a good top, a good bottom. Burdick was railing the top of three and four, shutting it down on the bottom of one and two. Sabraski was going opposite and they were dice and Sabraski got next to him. I'm like, man, this is good. And, and uh, what was really cool to me is, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit at the end about, about match source, but that was a pretty special win under the circumstances. We'll get to that at the end of the show um, of, uh, for Kevin Burdick there. So congratulations, Dirty 30, on another Labor Day shootout. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, Sabraski rolled in second, Myers third. And those three just kind of were gone. Actually, it was, it was Sabraski and Burdick were so fast, and Myers was half a straightaway behind, but then the rest of the pack was a half a straightaway behind them. So Burdick and, and Sabraski, you know, they just they really have their shit together. There's no question about and it. And Darren Murado, I ain't seen that guy in a day, forever. He got fourth in that deal. So 36 is back. He's going to be at the Northern Nationals. So – that could be interesting too. Oh yeah, and the red clay—he's got to have a lot of red clay wins. You know, I mean, I'm thinking oh, so. Oh boy, yeah. So yeah, then the mods, yeah. And, and uh, what were your thoughts? Well, my thoughts were: is uh, the Brokings and Estes are still—they're still dating. Um, they're still—they still make a really cute couple. Um, Johnny, I know you listen to this while you're driving. It's really cute. I, I just want to—we'll keep it going. It is. Like, I, I tried calling Johnny earlier to get his take on this. He didn't answer the phone. He probably knew what I was going to ask him. But I just hope I can be in the wedding because I knew that – I know that – I know I know that him and Kelly are, are pretty tight. You know, they're pretty tight. They're they're a cute couple. And uh, they got together in three and four there on the last lap, or I think one to go. One to go, and yeah. They got to, yeah, they got together. And they, no come turn, they come into turn one and two, and next thing you know, I think – my eyes, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry, but in my eyes, it looked like Johnny's like, I'm just going to dump him. Yeah, I might have to watch it again. I might be wrong on that, but next he just looked at me like he just drove into the 37, spun around in a circle. They, they, they did call it on Johnny, and they didn't go back a lap for the finish, give Esty the sixth spot, and uh, so that was quite interesting. But Sabraski, he finally, over the whole weekend, he won that first one. And he won the last one. And uh, he got her done in the Modifieds. A guy that was really good in the Modifieds, though, was Brandon Kopp. He started up there in the second row. He backpedaled, and he come charging back up into the third spot. So a hell of a run there for the rookie um, from rural Wisconsin. Yeah, total stud. And that's where the race really was. You had Sabraski checked out from the out, uh, you know, front row. Delphi got aggressive at the beginning, got into second. He settled in probably three, four car lengths behind Sabraski. But nobody could really get close to Belfi either. But that battle for third, fourth, fifth with Cop and a great run by a local Dwayne Dale was up there and Esty and Johnny and Daryl Nelson. I can't remember what, if I've already skipped some names already or said some names, but yeah, Daryl, Cop, Esty, Broking, Dwayne Dale. 
those five, it was, it was, you know, that some guys are, you know, because there was that lip up top, especially on one and two way up there. That's where cop was going. Cause cop actually dropped back originally and then came back through the field. And, you know, some guys were trying to body, like you said, Daryl Nelson was, you know, he said he's a searcher and he was definitely searching. And so that was really where the race was. Like I said, Nebraska was kind of gone. Belfi, I kind of forgot about that even got second because, you know, every once in a while you check to see where the leader is, but that battle was so intense with those guys. Um, but yeah, that ended up being a pretty dang, I'd say that was probably the second best race of the night. Yeah, I'd feel remiss if we didn't bring this up too, because he's family to you, right? He's family. He's kind of like a brother to me too, the Tardies. They've been struggling and we've been smacking them around and calling them out. I'm like, dude, you just got to stop sucking. Like, what is your deal? Right. I mean, they were, they, they went to Rapids. He got the lead. He had the race receiver, the cord get wrapped up in his hand, and he, like, literally both drove off the track leading. I'm like, oh, my God, right? And then the, then in Hibbing, he had brake issues. They were turned the wrong way. I'm like, what is he thinking? But the problem is the car was – it's been so bad that he just can't get his head in the game, right? And he went on the heat. He was just terrible in the heat race. I'm like, what is his deal? I mean, they're, like, ready to cut the thing in half. Like, he's like, did I forget how to drive? Well, they went in the pits then after the heat race, and they were really looking at it, and actually JR, right? And obviously, uh, you know, obviously, you know, all the tardies. But JR was looking at it, he's like, there's an issue in the right front. The shock's hitting the spindle. So when they were turning to the left, everything was locking up. So they changed everything on the right front and went on the B main and drove right up into the – actually got up to third and then faded a little bit, got fourth, and then he was a hard charger in the feature. Okay, so. You know, he was, so he passed, he passed a bunch of cars. He actually looked like a race car driver again. So it's funny how one little issue, and it's hard to see that, one little bind wrecked several weeks of racing for the 67. But uh, now he's actually excited to go racing again because it was like a whole new race car. So congrats to the 67 crew for figuring out what the heck is wrong with that thing. All right, well, let's wrap up with, uh, you know, some of the, the TriStar Engines and Transmission Series. And, Bert, we're going to get you involved. You're up next. No, I know. <laughs> Talk about Saturday Night Racing in Shadow. You're going to see him eating popcorn. Yeah, he said he's going to eat popcorn. I haven't seen any of popcorn. Yeah, he ain't yeah. eating popcorn. What the heck? What the heck? So, your lips don't look buttery. <laughs> yeah, so we put together a pretty neat deal, you know, for the late models. And, you know, obviously they had good-paying shows for the four nights. But we're like, you know what, let's give them some extra money. Usually they got the Challenge Series. So the, we had the TriStar Engines and Transmissions Late Model Series presented by our friends at Quality Freight Rates. We had several sponsors uh, jump on the page. They're all listed there. Um, but we had a lot of sponsors. Jeffrey Massengill, that's the guy that got her done. You know, I, I had been, we've been talking about him, how close he is to, like, getting over the hump. And uh, he started out the weekend with a bang. And over the four-race series, he had a first, a fourth, a sixth and a third. So other than, I mean, he was in the top five, all of them except one very solid weekend for the six M. Um, question I have is the 24 J. So he had a first, a fifth and a fourth and didn't go to the first show. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to give him some grief. I'm like, Jay, you know, if you went to the first show and even finished even remotely distant, they are remotely good. He could have won this deal or got second and that would have been an extra couple thousand bucks in his pocket right there. So he was very, very good over the weekend. Now, the money earners over the whole weekend, including all the bonuses, the purse, the bonus money, Pat Doerr, 
actually led the way, $8,150 for the Double One Express. Jeffrey Massing, yeah, pretty good for four days. That second day, that win, 2000 to win, an extra 1500 for the lap money, and then he got, and then he jumped up in the second of the points, got another 1500 there. So that win on the second day of Labor Day was actually worth five grand. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a stout pay. Um, Massengill had eight thousand, so he was just shy of door. Um, Jesse Glenn's forty five hundred, Steve Larson thirty six hundred, and Provenzino was fifth in the money, uh, twenty seven twenty five. Solid. Um, wasn't up in the top five, but he he got the hard charger twice. Um, in Rapids he broke. Um, right away in the heat when he about tipped over ripped the drive shaft out so he had to come from the back and get up to I think he maybe got up to eighth or something and then the second day of Labor Day I mean he had over half the straightaway lead he was gone okay now here's how here's here's the fine thread in racing right so Provenzino had that race one he broke on the last lap so he had it won Massinger was in that heat right so if Provenzino wins that heat Massingill don't start in the second row Right. Jesse Glenn's may start ahead of Massengill, right? Jesse Glenn's next thing you know, he starts up there. Massengill starts further back. We might have a whole different conversation for the points. So because Provenzino broke, that opened the door for Massengill in a big, big way. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we'll see uh, what happens here this week with the power rankings. Here, like I said, we talked a little bit about Massengill. We talked a little bit about Door. We talked a little bit about Larson. He's probably not quite there. But possibly Jay Kittner. As well as he ran, he's in the conversation. But we did not slide him in the top ten because I want to see how he does when he gets more than forty miles away from home. Yeah, <laughs> I want to. I want to see first of all if they make the trip down to the Northern Nationals to the Russ Larson Classic. You know, they they typically are racing kind of local. I don't know where he's going to run the rest of the year. So. He's there. He's had a great year. He had a great Labor Day weekend, but he's not quite there because he's got to get away from his home tracks. All right. Well, I get some results from away from here. Like you said, we're going to talk about tracks more than 40 miles away, 40 miles away from where we were all weekend, Ryan. And uh, Bert Lehman, uh, you were able to venture out to Shano this weekend? Yeah, uh, I didn't see nearly the amount of racing that you two saw over the weekend, but uh, I'll uh, contribute my two cents here. Um, but yes, I was at Shano Speedway on Saturday night. It was their final uh, show of the year uh, during the Shano County Fair. And uh, as we spoke last week, uh, you know, Troy Springborn had a 14-point lead entering last week's program, you, you know, and then he rolled over. So uh, he was tied with Ron Berna going into the final night of points racing. And uh, I talked to one of Troy's sponsors, and apparently uh, – the day after the rollover, he took the car to Nick Avalink's shop, and Nick Avalink and Nick's brother, Tyler, fixed it, you know, repaired it over the week. And uh, they did a good job because uh, Troy didn't want to uh, take any chances. And he went out, he won the feature. Well, actually, he finished, he finished two spots. He was in the correct heat race uh, because um, Bruno was in the heat race with the uh, it just worked out that it seemed like most of the faster cars were in Berna's heat race. And so Troy finished two spots. Um, they were in separate heat races, but Troy finished two spots ahead of Berna. So he had a two point lead entering the feature. 
uh, started second row, took the lead early and cruised to the victory. So he won the track champion at channel tra track championship at channel. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Troy Springborn. Uh, you know, I'm glad that, uh, I didn't jinx his championship season <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, that, it was good to see him win the championship. He's a multi, he's won, I, I don't know, this was either his third or fourth championship in the late model division, but he's also won a fast track late model championship as well as a hobby stock championship at Channel Speedway. So congratulations to him. And uh, that was all the racing in Eastern Wisconsin for late models last or last week or this last weekend. Um, it was announced over the weekend. Uh, Dirt Kings has a um, another schedule change. Uh, they were supposed to conclude their season at 141 Speedway uh, the end of the month. Uh, that show has been canceled for the late models. Uh, 141 is still having their special, but the late models will not be part of that program. And uh, so now late models will be racing at Seymour Speedway not this coming weekend, but the following weekend, and that will be a Dirt Kings sanctioned event. So that'll be the final uh, date for Dirt Kings. Uh, and that series is racing at Wilmont Speedway uh, this coming Saturday. So they have two races left. And that's all that's left for late model racing in the eastern side of the Wisconsin. Uh, I mean, hearing you guys talk, you know, for the last half hour or so makes me a little envious of uh, all the racing you guys have in Western Wisconsin and Eastern Minnesota compared to what we have here now. So, uh, but Mark that is your calendars, Bert. Mark your calendars. <laughs> you need to make the trip up for the Labor Day weekend next year. So, yeah, you're so right. There, so there's going to be a so next weekend we got Superior Racing and you guys will uh, the Dirt Kings will be in Wilmont. Then the next weekend is you know the legendary Peter and they'll be at Seymour on a Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how do you think that's going to affect a guy like Anvilink? Well, Anvilink hasn't been following Dirt King. So, I mean, he'll go wherever he wants to go. Um, you know, I know he's traveled quite a bit this year. I don't know what his plans are for the rest of the season travel-wise. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, for you guys, I wouldn't expect hardly any Eastern drivers to make the trips over there um, based on the schedule on – uh, Eastern Wisconsin. When was 141 supposed to run? Was that going to be on Saturday anyway? Or So they're not no. of the legendary? No, that was going to be on Thursday night, which would have been the uh, the Thursday night before what Punky would have been. Oh, okay. Okay. So they actually did add a Saturday show for the Dirt Kings, which is well, too bad because... It, well... And see, Seymour, Seymour special, um, they had, they were planning on having late models anyway, but there was no mention of Dirt Kings before this okay. last weekend. So late models would have been racing that weekend anyway. It's just a matter of now it's going to be a Dirt Kings race. Um, so. How did Kyle Redant do? Um, he wasn't in the top five. He was probably okay. more more towards tenth or so. Uh, oh, oh, but was Schmidt there or Richie or any of those guys? R Richie was there, but uh, he fell back. Um, okay. And actually, you know, Troy won the feature, and Ron Berna finished second. So I mean, <laughs> they were they were you know both both gunning for the championship, and you know they ran one two in the feature, 
And actually, in the four-cylinder division at Channel Speedway, uh, one of the drivers had a one-point lead entering the night, and they don't get heat race points. And the guy who was leading the points won the feature, and the guy who was second in points finished second in the feature. So that just kind of happened. And in the modified division, Lucas Lambries had an 18-point lead coming in, and then he got involved in somebody else's mess, and his wheels were towed like this. But he stayed out there, and he, he continued the race. Uh, he won the championship by nine points. So uh, his lead was cut in half, but he still won the championship. <laughs> yeah, that was fortunate that he didn't rip the suspension part off because that could have ended the night for him for right. sure. Right, right. Nice. Where, now, so the Dirt Kings deal right now, so there's two nights left in that. Who's leading the Dirt Kings points? I believe Justin Ritchie is leading the uh, Dirt King points right now. And I know Brett Swedberg is up there also. Um, Has Ritchie won a point deal for the Dirt Kings before? Not a championship. Okay. Uh, I mean, okay. actually, Nick Avalink is the only driver to win a championship in that in the, that series. So it will and be a new champion. for sure. Yep, that is changing <laughs> for sure. That's changing for sure. Correct. So, Bert, you mentioned, too, that you uh, you kind of kept your eye on the Mars series a little bit. You know, talk a little uh, bit about that. Yeah. Uh, the Mars series raced on September 3rd at Farmer City, and then they raced September 4th at Farmer City, and then September 5th at uh, Fairbury. Uh, Bobby Pierce won the first one at Farmer City, and then Jason Fager won, and Bobby Pierce won the Fairbury race. But there was a Wisconsin connection. Uh, Taylor Scheffler, we've mentioned him a few times on this show. Uh, he set fast time at Farmer City on September 3rd. And he finished 12th in the feature. And Mitch McGrath, who we've talked about on this show, finished 11th in the feature in the Mars race. So, you know, a good showing from the, from the two Wisconsin how many cars. How many cars, did McGrath, how many cars did McGrath hit? <laughs> I do not have that stat. <laughs> And uh, then the next night, uh, Taylor Scheffler finished 11th at Farmer City and Mitch McGrath finished 9th. So another good showing for, for those two. And then at Fairbury, uh, Taylor Scheffler set fast time there. So two out of the three races, Taylor Scheffler set fast time. And Taylor actually finished 6th in that race. And uh, Mitch McGrath finished 9th. So it was a Th good showing in three different races for those two Wisconsin drivers. Nice. Now, are those races, uh, are they on dirt on dirt or anything like that? Were they all, were any of them? Uh, um, I did random? watch, yeah, I watched the Fairbury race on dirt on dirt. And I believe the first Farmer City race is also on there. Um, in, I believe it was the first Farmer City race. Uh, there was a late race caution and Jason Figger was running second to Bobby Pierce. And on the restart, he, he gunned it going into three and the car went around on him. <laughs> and, you know, he was trying to get by Pierce on the inside and uh, it was a no-go. <laughs> Interesting. Nice. On the inside, I know Mars was when Figger tries to go to the inside, it's not going to work. <laughs> right. I know Mars was talking about actually heading down there, but, they ended up not going, it sounds like, huh? Yeah, I didn't see his name mentioned at all. Awesome, awesome. Well, I'm going to check them out on Dirt on Dirt because I can't believe I missed one. I mean, we had so much racing going on right. this weekend. We didn't catch any of the other stuff going on, and there was a lot of it. 
you know, including back to Wissota country, right? You know, Aberdeen, out there in Aberdeen, I don't remember what the name of it was, but they had a, a basically a two-day show out in Aberdeen, and I saw a post on Cole Searing's page that said, rubber, 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 rubber. And uh, they, I saw a bunch of tires, and they were pretty chewed up. And Scott Ward, who we mentioned him a bunch earlier in the year, we ain't mentioned him in quite a while. Um, he parked the 37 ride in Victory Lane out there at the Brown County Speedway. Yeah, like a $3,500 paycheck? Something like that. Yeah, it was pretty good. I was, so I think it was called the Big Buck Nationals, I think is what it was called. So, yeah. You are exactly right. Now, what have, what have we been saying about Ward all year long? Checkers or wreckers, right? So he got first in Aberdeen. He got dead last in Casino with another DNF. I don't know what the issue was. I didn't find out. But it just seems like that's the thing for Scott Ward. He's either going to win or, or DNF or break. Or, and it's like and it's about equal on how many times he does it. So a uh, tough break for him. But another guy that got a win out there at the Casino Speedway on Sunday, Tyler McDonald. I believe that's number six on the year for the rookie Hachu from South Dakota. So I've been saying this for a few weeks now. The two hottest guys in South Dakota are two rookies, Tyler McDonald, Cole Searing. Searing didn't go to casino. He doesn't race there very much. I know he had a – I think he believes he got third at the Big Buck Nationals there at Brown County. All right. <clears throat> we'll get into River Cities here in just a second, Ryan. I know you want to touch on that. But we did want to thank our friends right here, right now, from Dirt Track Supply – so you're one source for everything racing, whether it's Bell Products, K&N, AFCO, All-Star, Willys, QA1. They've got it all, including home of the Aero Chassis. And I know many of you at this time of year starting to think about your chassis program at this time of year. Give Trevor a call. Give them a shot. See what they have to offer at uh, Aero Chassis. So dirttracksupply.com is how you find them or 605-886-8924. So what, what do we have going up at the bull ring in Grand Forks, Ryan? Well, again, it's the Dustin Strand Show. Him and Sang, who've been basically, they've been up in the top ten in the power rankings the better part of the year. They started on the front row, and Dustin Strand, he took control, and he, he won that deal again. So Strand has been absolutely just lights out. I, I was going to try to get the win count. We'll, we'll make sure that we have that for the next show. But between modifies and late models, He's got to be getting close to 20 on the year. He's got a pile of wins. I mean, maybe he's at like 15, but that's all he does is win. So he leaves there, right? He wins up in Grand Forks, which I was a little frustrated about anyway. I'm like, you know, bring them Grand Forks cars over to the Labor Day weekend. We got four shows over our way, right? But, you know, they just they didn't leave home. He actually went down to Viking Speedway the next night, Puka, to the uh, – they had a fallen lineman classic, the fallen lineman race, like a memorial race. And it's put on by a guy down there. There's several sponsors. It's three grand to win. Dan Ebert got the lead. Oh, what a race. What a race. Him and Strand got in the lap traffic. Ebert slid him. Crossover move by Strand. Lights out. I mean, that was a photo finish there, too. Just a great finish at the Viking Speedway. So, he, the guy, it's like he jumps in a car. He wins. It's crazy. He's got a pile of wins in the late models. I think he's won something about every week for the last, three months. I mean, it's, it's like he's always winning races. So one of the most talented drivers out there in Wasoda, I'm a little bit bitter that he doesn't come over our way, right? Because, you know, I think a lot of guys, would, a lot of people would like to see him in action. We get to, and barely we get to watch him online. 
you know, well, it, a lot of the races aren't online, but that mod race at Viking Speedway was on Dirt Race Central. Yeah, they, people would like to see you over there, Dustin, because they remember your dad. I mean, the Brocket Rocket used to race here. So, and he used to, you know, back when he was in North Dakota, he used to be. And then when you guys were in Bemidji, dad used to come over and race Hibbing and, and Rapids. And so, yeah, the fans over here, I mean, you've got the name. And so uh, it's time to, uh, you know, I know the old saying is head west, young man, head west, but let's change that and head east, young man. Head east. <laughs> exactly. All right. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Let's do some rapid fire here. So we got the Wool Aids. Who wants to start on that? Yeah, one? Go well, go ahead. Go on. Bert, did you watch any of the Wool Aids stuff? I didn't watch any of the features. I just I looked at the results, but I didn't watch anything. I did see that oh. uh, Ricky Weiss finally hit, started up front in these races. <laughs> he did. He did. In fact, I believe, didn't he get a second and a fourth on the weekend? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, so a solid weekend for seven. Yeah, I extended then, the points between him and DK Dillard. He, he, I think he extended it by like 70-some points. He's only 252 yeah. behind Shepard for first. He's right there. <laughs> He's right there. <laughs> well, I tell you what, that's the thing. If Brandon Shepard keeps doing what he did the first night of the two, he might catch him. I mean, you don't see this often, Shepard running third. And what they like to call this in racing is he stepped all over his wiener, right? I mean, he spun out, and next thing you know, he's facing the wrong way. And they showed a little bit later in the race that him and Bloomquist were racing side by side, which is kind of cool. You want to see Shepard and Bloomquist racing <laughs> side by side. The problem is they were both getting lapped, right? So that's not a good place to be racing side by side. And I think uh, Shepard rebounded with a top five the next night, I believe. Fifth or fourth. I think he got fourth, fifth, or sixth, somewhere in the fourth, maybe. I think he fourth, got fourth. fourth. Yeah. But uh, my buddy Jeff, who's our late model expert, said, you know, the story of the weekend was the fact that Brandon Overton has four in a row for the world of outlaws. So four in a row there for Brandon Overton. 19th of the year, Brandon Shepard actually has 25 wins. So I tell you, I think the world of outlaw guys are really, really, really happy, or at least Brandon Shepard's really happy that Brandon Overton has not followed that series. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very impressive. And, they, yeah, I mean, he just – he's hot. Like I said, I mean, my brother told me – he saw an interview with him. He said, we're one major sponsor away from going on a national series next year. I don't know if either of you caught that too. I did not. That's, that's good I did to not know. He's a guy that people got to sponsor. I mean, he's a class act. He's a hell of a race car driver. You know, so, you know, the question is, oh, which series would he follow? Yeah, it's that, hard to say. I Coming mean, this is a topic for another day. Yeah. But I don't know if the world of outlaws is going to last very long, and they're kind of falling apart a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. How about those Moose Sprints over in South Dakota? Now, that was something else on uh, Saturday night, huh? Who wants to start on that one? Well, I'll start because you told me to watch the race, and so I found it on YouTube on the on their uh, YouTube channel. And the first thing I I noticed right away was they're smoking the right rear tires in the corners. That was the first thing I noticed in the race. And then all of a sudden, boom! Somebody's out with a shredded tire. Like two laps later, somebody else is out with a shredded tire. Boom! Somebody else is out. And then actually on the restart where uh, uh, Larson, what he was leading, 
if you look at his rear tire when they start on that restart, there's like a white strip around the tire. You you know, because it's down, to, you can tell it's down to the cords already. And then sure enough, about a, about a lap later, that tire blew. Uh, so the guy who whose tire blew first actually wound up winning the race. <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing well, race. The winner of that race was Hoosier Tire. That was the winner of that race. They're, they were the big winner of night number one over there was Hoosier Tire. But, yeah, you're right. Sheldon Hottenchild, I believe it was, he lost the yep. tire right away. He went in. He got back to the front. He actually got to seventh really quickly because I think a lot of them guys were a lap down, so he didn't have to go all the way to the back. And he just worked his way up there and flat tire, flat tire, flat tire, flat tire. I told Puka, I'm like, it, it actually just pisses me off even watching this race. It was, like, frustrating even seeing it. He's like, there was drama, which is true, because you didn't know whose tire was going to last. So it was definitely interesting. But I've been on racetracks like that, and it just makes me want to jump out a window is what it does. That was just – but they had it better the next night. The yeah. next night and, – and actually our, our sprint car expert, Keith, said, well, he's back. He's back. Kyle Larson, again, another – 20 grand to win show for young money. And that's all he does is win big money shows under. That's all he does. And uh, he got her done. And, you know, just that guy's. And, and if you watch that first night, did you guys notice by watching that race, how straight he was keeping his car? Like he was, he wasn't blazing his tires as much as everybody else. He was really trying to conserve that right rear tire. And uh, he wasn't able to do it either. But the fact is, He's just that talented. Yeah. I mean, he's no hot Carl, but I mean, he's pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, hot Carl. So, yeah, so Sweets up by 14 as we head to Dodge City, Kansas. All right, the Lucas Oil lane models. The, the other thing I was going to say is that the top three in points here, Puka, you mentioned the points. None of them finished in a podium position all weekend long. Oh, so that was it. That was really? okay. That was interesting. There, they were all kind of right around that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, all together there. So Lucas Oil late models. Uh, Bert, take her away, man. Well, I watched uh, the one on September fifth uh, would have been the second show, uh, and uh, Hudson O'Neill won that one. I know we've talked about this the last several weeks. You know what a difference a chassis makes. And, well, maybe it's not only a chassis but a team. I mean, this team is only what a month old and. And, you know, he went from, you know, where everybody's thinking, you know, what's wrong with Hudson O'Neill to now he won a Lucas Oil race. So it's uh, pretty amazing. I mean, I was thinking about this too. Uh, he better not break up with his girlfriend because uh, <laughs> her her parents own, own the team. Uh, but yeah, but watching that race, I mean, he was in the top 10, but, you know, he really wasn't moving up. And then as the cautions came out, he'd move up a little bit. The caution would come up, he'd move up. And then all of a sudden, you know, he's right there with Jimmy Owens. And then he wound up winning. Uh, the night before, um, maybe Jonathan Davenport has been uh, listening and watching our podcast here because uh, we've been uh, uh, critiquing him a little bit. And he won won the feature. So, uh, uh it's good to see Superman back in the front, although he did fade to a seventh place finish the next night after starting on the pole. <laughs> hey, Polka, go ahead and message Davenport Racing, our, our uh, your PayPal account number or yeah. whatever for the for the one to go show. He owes us half that check because that call out 
really is the only reason he won. Um, I guess I'm going to call him out again. Okay, um, Superman is used to winning lots of races. Let's see if he can win another one. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's few and far between. Like you said, you know, the weekend of the USA Nationals, he raced with the kids and he couldn't even pull off a win. So, all right. So now we're going to talk about some big races. We got, you know, we're going to come pre- preview some of the things coming up. The 14th annual John Sykes Memorial Race up at River City Speedway in Grand Forks, North Dakota, will be held with the traditional 9,200 to win, 9,200 or 920 to start. Thursday night, they got the prelude to the Johnny, which is will cap off that NLRA series. Uh, Ryan, you got any commentary there? Uh, I got two things, okay? Well, first of all, that's a great race. John Seitz is a guy I raced against. I really like John Seitz. I mean, I like the Seitz family. I've known him for years. He was from Bemidji, you know, so this is a great race for them. I'll be watching it, of course, on Dirt Race Central. But two things on this race is, number one, they got a limited crowd now. Because Grand Forks, River City Speedway, they kind of got a little bit of a warning after the World of Outlaw show there. They were actually in jeopardy of not even being able to have this race. And fortunately, there's a couple of sharp people on the board, smooth things out, so they're able to have it. But if you don't have your tickets yet for the sites, you better get them because they have a limited amount of seating. The other thing is this, last year's winner, won't be this year's winner because Aaron Turnbill from Estevan, Saskatchewan got her done. No Canadians, right? So that sucks because that's kind of like the same boat as us. They're over in Grand Forks. They get a bunch of Canadian drivers, a bunch of Canadian fans, and they're missing all those folks there. You know, another guy, Shane Eddington, I think he's got, what has he got? Three, four wins, four wins, I believe already this year. I don't know if there's any more racing in Canada for late models. So he's won everything up there. And he was another guy that had a shot to win. Belkin runs there. So none of them Canadian guys coming down to the sites. And I talked to a lot of the late model guys that were over at Labor Day. And I said, where are you guys going? You going to the Russ, Cla- Russ Larson? You going to the sites? And obviously we know where Steve's going. But everybody else said it's going to kind of depend on weather, on where we go. Um, I haven't even looked at the forecast yet. But uh, that's a good race. $9,200 to win. 920 to start and you know i'm just going to go ahead right now and i'm going to take my pick and he hasn't won this race yet and he's been red hot and now it's time to shine dustin strand get her done (laughs) well i know jeff massingill plans on heading out there he said he said they're doing some sort of a like a pants past champions race too Uh, oh okay okay i don't think jeff's a past champion but i think he's invited i suppose you got it you got to make sure you got enough to fill. You know, I think he's been pretty loyal there, and he's had a lot of top threes. So, uh, you know, I think he's going to go in there. But yeah, you were saying something about the forecast. I know on the range. I mean, we're five days out, but they're saying it's rain on Saturday here. So I don't know about Grand Forks, and obviously I don't know quite know about Superior. But, uh, but yeah, speaking of Superior, we got the Russ Larson Classic coming back, kind of taking the place of the longtime Northern Nationals. Uh, looks like kind of an interesting format, right? Double heats. Where's John in Davenport when we got the double heats? Huh? Yeah, du- three heats? I thought it was double heats in a dash or something like that. No, it's, it's unless they changed it, it was going to be two heats on uh, the one day with one heat the next day, and it was going to be triple heats, and they were going to take your point average from the three heats. So 
<laughs> yeah, there was a few people grumbling about that, but there's some pretty good pay. It's like fifty-one. It's fifty-one ninety because five nineteen, so it's fifty-one ninety to win that. But I believe, looking if you look at that, I believe there's three heat races with accumulated points. So I don't know if that's changed, but that's what it was. Now here's the million-dollar question: Steve Larson should have won the Prelude to the Clay. He was a car to beat. He was out front. He was comfortable. He broke. He got second. The last time he raced, night two of the Labor Day shootout. Could he win the Russ Larson Classic? What would it mean to Steve Larson to win the race, you know, in memory of his dad? Yeah, How cool be, would that be? Yeah, huge. And like I said, he's heating up at the right time. Like I said, he's very – even in the heat race in Grand Rapids, I think he started fifth and got second. He made some real bold moves at the beginning of that race past guys like Kanta and stuff and. And, you know, like I said, he's very confident right now. What I'm reading off their flyers saying Friday, two rounds of heats and two dashes, whatever that means. And then Saturday, B mains and 40 lap feature. So, uh, Gondaglaw, you just might want to get on, jump on Facebook or something just to make sure it's clarified for everybody. But that's what I'm looking at their flyer. That's what it's saying. So, we'll see. But, yeah, it'd be a huge night and a popular win if Stevie Larson could get it done. The guy's probably 62, 63. 64, maybe I, I, I called him the ageless wonder last year during introductions, and he kind of gave me a funny look. <laughs> well, I guess it's his 50th year of racing is what Fleischer said, you know, at the show. Yeah, I think that's so, right. I think that I was, think that was a right. very under-advertised, under, uh, kind of a best-kept secret. It's, it's kind of terrible that it's a secret, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know where's, the, where's the 50th anniversary Steve Larson T-shirts? We need to get Joe Provo on that right away. Maybe I'll make those exactly. after – Maybe he can, he can get him after he wins next week, and then they'll say, you know, 2020 Russ Larson Classic winner. So, all right. So there you go. So what else we preview in here? Oh, Boone Nationals. Super yeah, that started today. Uh, Bert, any of your Eastern guys, because you got a bunch of IMCA mob guys, any of them guys head down to Boone? I know there, there's, a, there's a lot of them that are headed down there. I don't have a list of them. Uh, for next week's show, I'll kind of – this week I'll kind of keep track of how the Wisconsin – Eastern Wisconsin drivers are doing, but yeah, I mean, uh, Boone for the Eastern, Eastern Wisconsin, I am say stock car drivers, modified drivers and sport mod drivers. Boone is like, you know, their Holy grail, you know, they, they love going down there for the racing and everything else that happens down there besides the racing. Um, but yeah, I, there's always a handful of drivers who head down there. So next week I'll have, uh, I'll kind of do a rundown of how they did down there. There's a 20 because RC actually, watch right now. Because actually some Wisconsin drivers have won features down there. So, uh, you know, Wisconsin, I know Benji LaCrosse won the modified feature one year. Uh, Brandon uh, Sherapata won the uh, stock car feature one year. And Jeremy Christians won the stock car feature one year. I know Jeremy Christians is down there again this year. Okay. Okay. I, I noticed that, um, What's called a Ricky Thornton Jr. is driving a 30 car, an IMCA late model for somebody. The question I have, and I did not look, but we'll have it for the next show, is he going to run a late model, a stock car, and a modified? Is he going to run all of that, or what's all he going to run? Because that that's he's an IMCA guy. He's run a lot of IMCA yeah. stuff. It'll be interesting to see what, I guess we'll just call him the 20RT. We'll see what he can do. <laughs> and spe speaking of IMCA, Puka, um, something we didn't touch on, maybe, and maybe you had it in the last lap, Steve Arpin. Oh yeah, no, I didn't have that. So 
I was a little confused with what I saw there, you know, and I kind of sent you that text. I don't want to get into the details of that text, but uh, what was he doing in Montana? I've been to Electric City Speedway. He, he was racing. He, yeah. Yeah, he was racing, and they were just promoting the fact that he was racing because, I mean, he's won everything. And oh, he, yeah. He ran some, you know, he's ran some, you know, pavement stuff, I guess, ARCA and Nationwide, and he's ran some of that stuff, and he went out there and he rattled off a first, a first, and a second. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, so he's still got it. He's still got it. You know, I'd like to see him back in dirt. Man, he was freaking fun to watch. I oh, mean, yeah. He, he was, was another cool. guy, high side hustler up on the wheel, but really good to see Steve Arpin. He's been running them off road things and all that, and he's making money doing it, and it's all great. But, dude, like, we, you're a dirt modified <laughs> guy. <laughs> we want to see you back where you belong. And yeah. it was, you know, too bad it was way the hell west. Uh, too bad it wasn't over kind of in our area, but uh, I texted him. I said, he says, line me up a car. I'll come race it. So we may have to work on that. Yeah. Yeah. Tight little bull ring out there in, in Great Falls. And uh, we actually have a local guy, Kyle Peterlin, won a challenge series race out there. Like when, uh, when Terry Volts was doing that rumble series, so maybe like 08. So he won it, won uh, a race out there, but, and best thing about Arpin winning, he's Canadian. So he, he was down here. Well, of course he lives here, but you know, he got in before the border closed. So yeah, congratulations to Steve Yarpin. So more mod talk, uh, mod nationals out at MTS, Ryan. Yeah, that's a big one. It's interesting, right? It's interesting because there's so much stuff going on. You got the Boone nationals, you have the sites race, you have the Northern nationals, you got all that stuff going on in Mississippi thunder that same weekend. They got the mod nationals, I believe, I think it's either four six ten or two four ten, but it's for mods and Midwest mods. And the finale of that deal on Saturday is ten grand to win for both of them, and it's a hell of a good payout all the way through the deal. And I looked at the at the pre entries, pretty light for for that kind of pay. They have like thirty five modified for ten grand to win. I'm like disappointing, disappointing. And 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 what that tells me is this, okay? is I'm not saying which sanctioning body is better because they're all good and they all have things that suck about them. It just is what it is. But there's just too many of them. See, they're down in USRA country. They got IMCA. They got UMP. They got Wissota. They got all this stuff. And they said, Wissota guys can just come run as they are with their tires. But are they going to go run against USRA guys? Some of them are, but not many guys are going to travel to do it. And I'm disappointed to see that they don't have 75 modifies at that deal. I mean, the track is phenomenal. These guys are willing to fork out the money to put on these big shows for the life of me. I just don't understand what goes through the minds of racers. I, I used to be one and I, I, I guess, I don't know. Like I, I felt like I chased all the money shows I did, you know, but a lot of guys don't, I, I don't really understand, you know, even the late model series that we had, there was a lot of guys that I figured would have been there for extra money on the line and they just don't show up. So, you know, I, I really hope that racers are procrastinators too. And I'm hoping a lot more guys show up because I really want to see them guys at Mississippi Thunder have a successful event with a solid field of cars. So hopefully it works out for them. All right. And finally, Bert, what would normally in a normal non COVID year be the week leading up to the big one? It would be the World 100 coming up, but obviously what we've got, we're have got, we left with this year is the Intercontinental Classic at Tony Stewart's Eldora Speedway. Um, thoughts of heading into the week here, 
expert? Well, I mean, normally I would be working tomorrow and then I would have the rest of the week off because I'd be heading down uh, to Eldora to watch the races. Uh, over the last several days, uh, my Facebook memories have been popping up and it's been <laughs> my past trips down to Eldora. Uh, so, you know, for me, it's kind of sad that there's no, you know, that fans aren't going to be there. So, you know, I won't be making the trip there. Um, but um, I do plan on watching it uh, live on Flow. And uh, so I was actually the what my friend that I go down to that race with, I saw him at the races and I said, do you think we should grill out ahead before we watch the, <laughs> before we watch it online? Because, you know, that's what we do at the track. We grill out and, and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, um, you know, I'm still looking forward to watching it, even though I can't be there in person, I'm going to watch it uh, online. And, uh, you know, I know uh, Dirt on Dirt's making a big deal about, you know, the big three are going to compete against each other, Jimmy Owens, Brandon Overton, and Brandon Shepard. So, uh, you know, we'll see if it's those three who come out, one of those three who come out on top, or if we have a surprise driver who, I always kind of like to see a surprise driver win it. Uh, so. <laughs> well, T-Mac won the last one. Yeah, T-Mac won the last one. Bobby Pierce yes. was unbelievable to watch at the last one, right? Um, so, so to answer your first question, yes, you should grill out, okay? <laughs> to add to that, you should go on Dirt on Dirt because they did a video on how to make whatever that drink is down there. I don't remember what it was. Toilet the, water. Was the toilet? Yeah, toilet water. They did a video. <laughs> you need to make one of those. And I think they used to have lemonade or whatever down there. Is that what you said? I, I always get the freshly squeezed lemonade down there. So there you go. You're going to have to go to the store. You're going to have to get some lemons. You're going to have to make some fresh squeezed lemonade. So that way you can feel like you're there. Okay. So you have to do that. That's just, and we want pictures. Okay. In fact, you can do a face. You should do a, you should do a live on the one social page of you, you have your pre-race prep for that race for the intercontinental 50 grand to win show. Um, my question is this, Scott Bloomquist, he didn't make the feature any of the three nights at the stream. Is he going to make the feature at any of these three nights? Yeah. Oof. Tough call. I don't know. That's uh, if I was a betting man, I think I, well, if he's going to make any of them, I would probably take the over that he'll make one, but um, will, will he make the big one? Oof. To me, that's a push. I don't know. That'd be tough, but I, but the one guy I'm going to keep an eye on that I like to get better than he did in June is Kyle Strickler. Uh, I'd like to see, you know, you know, he's, he's got a lot, many, many more laps in that late model now. And he was fast there winning the one qualifier. I think it was the Thursday night qualifier. I think Overton won the Friday one and then T-Mac won Saturday. I'm interested to see uh, what Strickler can do. So, yeah, so like I said, that will start off on Thursday. So let's make our picks. We didn't make picks for everything else, although I did say Dustin Strand is going to win the, um, the John Sites Memorial. But who is our picks for the Intercontinental, Bert? Well, I want to make a comment – I want to make a comment about Bloomquist first. Normally, Eldora, you'd say yes, Bloomquist is going to make make the, make a feature. Uh, but based on his results this year, I mean, just take the two World of Outlaw races, the most two previous ones. He started twenty third, and started twenty first, and that's without the Lucas cars being there, without the regional stars being there. I'm going to say he doesn't make one. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying that, but I'm going to say that. 
You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) And as far as who I'm picking to win the big one, um, I'll go with Overton. I'll go with with T-Mac. I like T-Mac. Ooh, you're looking for him to have the sweep of the crown jewels at Eldora. And Overton's a good pick. Oh, man. Well, B-Chef's a good pick. I mean. You know? Yeah, OB Chef's never a bad pick. And never and the O Show's a, a good pick. <laughs> yep, yep. They're they're both they're both solid. So man. Well and ONs. Is this is this a hundred laps? Is this a hundred or seventy five? No, it's like sixty seven or something like it's that. Something like that, yeah, yeah. It's not the Okay. Okay. Okay, so you got T Mac, you This is a tough one, right? I I was my favorite would be Ricky Thornton Jr., but he's in Boone, <laughs> so so I'm not going to make that same mistake of picking a guy that's not even going to the race. Okay, I've done that before multiple times this year. My buddy Jeff says, uh, "Hey, dummy, quit picking people that ain't going." Right? Okay, so um, you know what? I am going to I'm going with B. Shep on this one. He he's just been. You know, he's got 25 wins, I believe he's at. He's been so good all year. Um, I just – the cream always rises to the top, and uh, I'm, I'm going to take Rocket 1. And who would you take, Bert? Over 10. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to pick Hudson O'Neill as my dark horse. Well, I'll take Strickler as a dark horse. <laughs> I'm taking Bobby Pierce as my dark horse. Is he <laughs> – First of all, he's going right. He's Bobby Pierce going to be there. Yeah, Bobby Pierce. yeah I, I'm going I'm to take Bobby Pierce because he's that place. Like you guys said, you know that place is a cushion rim riding type deal. There's not many people that got bigger balls than that guy's on the cushion. So he he could either get right to the front and win, or he could park it over the concrete. One of the two. But uh, I think he's a guy to watch for sure. Yeah. I mean, I I've I've seen Hudson O'Neill run really well there, so that's why I'm taking him now that he's running better. Correct. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Don't take Tyler Herb. No Tyler Herb. No Tyler Herb. <laughs> Not take Tyler Herb. Well, I, I thought this meant shorten your answer. Shorten yeah. Your answer. No, no. Hey, right, yeah, yeah. yeah that's who. That's who. Yeah, fair. We, we do get a little long-winded up here, but yeah, it's all good. So I, I think, I, I think, is there anything else, or uh, does that bring us to the last lap? Yeah, we get into the last lap here, where we have one to go, and and uh, a couple of sad stories here. Uh, Ryan, why don't we start with you with. Uh, and then we'll go over to Bert with Rick Eckert, but uh, Bill and Kerry Matsdorf on uh, Friday night. Yeah, good friends of mine. Bill, of course, a Hall of Famer up at uh, on the Grand Rapids Speedway, the track that I help out. Um, they were actually on their way to the Wasota Classic on Friday, and a, a car went through a stop sign. I think it was a van, and it struck them. They crashed really hard. Um, she got airlifted right away, had a bunch of broken bones. He didn't get airlifted immediately, but then did get airlifted, went into cardiac arrest. Heart stopped a couple times. Um, I saw some updates on Jessica's page, and it sounds like um, she's doing – I mean, they're obviously both sore and pretty beat up, but he was sedated and, and really doing bad. But today he was breathing on his own, and uh, sounds like things are looking up for Bill and Carrie Mastorf, but a terrible deal, and uh, just my heart breaks for them and their family. Hopefully everything can get right back on track and they can have a speedy recovery. And, you know, Kevin Burdick, of course, is their son-in-law and uh, he won the Labor Day shootout. You know, Carrie was watching on Dirt Race Central. So she was able to see that race and 
you know, one of the fans up in the stands had an old Bill Mastorf jacket. He brought it down into victory lane and um, Kevin held it in front of him. So it was kind of, it was pretty emotional deal. Pretty cool deal. Yeah. Best wishes to uh, the Mastorf family. And then uh, also, I mean, best wishes go to the Rick Eckert family and Bert, you want to fill everyone in on uh, his grandson? Yeah, I, I don't know all the details, so, I, you know, I'm not going to say too much, but I just know that Eckert's uh, grandson was burned in an accident at a, at a racetrack, something to do with the fuel, um, and, you know, obviously our, our prayers go out to the family and hoping for, you know, a good and speedy recovery for his grandson. Yeah, this yeah. is a safety notice is really what it is, you know, because five-year-old grandson at that, I mean – any any age is terrible but he's only five so what it was is there's a funnel and i don't know the brand or the type or or what what all the makeups were but some funnels have a filter right in the middle of it and something along with the way that the, they mount in the fuel coming in the static electricity caused it to burst into flames and the fuel and the fire got all over the kid it was terrible and that same thing happened to ryan gustin uh ryan gustin was actually at a buddy's shop I don't remember exactly where it was uh, right at the beginning of the hell tour though. And that exact same thing happened there and it burst into the flames. I believe it burnt the guy's garage down and he ended up losing, you know, he ended up hurting some cars, had to bring him to the rocket. So I guess Puka, you were talking what uh, I'll let you mention. You saw Mark Richards had a post on Facebook. Uh, what did he say about that? Yeah. Richards just said, he see, you know, he said that same thing. He brought up some of the other shops like Gustin and, and didn't boom Briggs. Did Briggs have a fire or something like was I'm not that? Sure. I'm not sure. It was, it was another outlaw, but he, you know, the bottom line was he said a lot of this is kind of linking together into something. He said, you shouldn't even use a filter. He said his, his thoughts were, he said, I've never used a filter. And he said, if, if you're, if you've got a good maintenance program, you've got a fuel filter in the car, let that fuel filter do the job. Don't be mucking around with these filters. So um, yeah. So just a tragic thing. I mean, I, I was just, you know, cause he said, he said, the more you filter, the more fumes get into the air. They start evaporating, you know, and then, and then with a little bit of static electricity, you know, that it just, it's a- So racers, what he's saying here is if you have one of them funnels with a filter in the middle of it, take that filter, grab it, take a good look at it, eye it up, walk over to the garbage can, throw that filter in the garbage. You don't need it and, and go filterless and use the filter on your race car. Um, there's no reason for somebody else to get hurt with this deal. Yeah. And he really wanted to comment because of course him and Rick are tight and, you know, he feels terrible and he's just, and he said, he, he, you know, you could find it on Facebook, but he linked a few different garage fires to everyone. Everyone's got, it's kind of coming out now that it's, it's this filtering that's causing this when they're transferring fuel. So um, just, yeah, racers beware. Didn't Jamie, right, Lodiger, well, uh, Puka, didn't Jamie Lodiger have that happen too? Boy, I don't know. Recently? Yeah, uh, I guess he isn't racing. This yeah, year, a couple, couple years back, something similar to that. So I'm going to have to do – I'll do some digging on that to find out if it was the same scenario. But there was some static electricity burst in the flames fire at the Lodiger camp. Um, I'll get a hold of Jamie and I'll ask him. Want to close up here with a birthday wish? You actually a couple of them. So Jeff Tardy, the aforementioned, celebrating a birthday on Wednesday on the 9th of September – so happy birthday, Jeff, and his birthday coincides with my youngest son, Pat. So I want to wish my little guy a happy 11th birthday on Wednesday. He was my 9 birthday. So when you have four kids 
it's nice to have one with an easy birth date. <laughs> it's tough enough to remember. So, all right. Well, I think that kind of wraps it up. Uh, we went, oh gosh, we got lots of content in here. So race fans, you need to be happy with this one. So I just want to end by, you know, thanking Weir's Machine, Weir'sMachine.com. Thanking Dirt Track Supply, one of the Aero Chassis, DirtTrackSupply.com. Anything else? Uh, yeah. I mean, but when we talk next, uh, the two teams will uh, oh. <laughs> play it against each other. <laughs> on Sunday, the big matchup. <laughs> that is true. Vikings, Packers, you can't even call it a home game because we don't get to have any fans. So, yeah, that's I forgot. Actually, it's crazy. I forgot all about that. I know. Yeah, so we got Vikings back coming up, and, yeah, that'll be interesting. You guys going racing this weekend? Uh, you said you're going to be watching uh, the I'll be watching uh, Eldora. I'll yeah, I might. I might, we might do the Northern Nationals one night if I do it. We'll see, just kind of on the weather and stuff. So I'm, you know, right now I just need rest after this long week and I hardly have a voice left. I just need to, I've been, you know, the nine o'clock bedtime guys gone to bed after midnight. Well, I got up at three in the morning on Friday morning. So then stayed up till midnight, you know, and then, uh, um, yeah, midnight Saturday. Now after midnight on Saturday, after midnight last night, so this guy just needs to get to bed and get some rest. And I'll, I'll collect my thoughts this weekend and uh, maybe head to the Northern Nationals. How about you? Yeah, I, I, Russ I Larson Classic. Anywhere, I said the Northern Nationals. Is, excuse me, the Russ Larson Classic. Yeah, and, and and it is. It's still the Northern Nationals, but it is the Russ Larson Classic. But I, if I go anywhere, it's going to be a Sycamore Speedway. I've been helping a buddy of mine a little bit, Dave Dolchak. He actually, uh, he's got a win in a second ever since I started helping him. He's bugging me to get there. I'm going to be home for the weekend. Finally, I ain't been home in a while, um, but I will be watching a whole bunch of racing on Dirt Race Central. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I think that will wrap it up for the week. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. Like I said, if you give us a thumbs up, a like, wherever you're watching us. Yeah, there's Massingill there. So wherever you're watching us, like I said, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're here on Facebook. We're also in a podcast form. Just search the one to go show on or, you know, whatever device or, or application you are looking at get out there and be your dream you're tuned to the one to go show